this morning, and if you would, uh, find with me 2 Samuel chapter 1. As we have just finished the book of 1 Samuel, going verse by verse, and uh, through that long process, and uh, moving right into 2 Samuel chapter 1. And as you're finding 2 Samuel chapter 1, I have a card I would like to read to you this morning. Uh, thank you so much. We would like to thank Ten Mile Baptist Church for the beautiful flyer arrangement that you sent to Gracie Shreve's funeral. And that is from the Depew family, and so continue to pray for them. And her grandson Troy at the passing of his wife. Uh, today I want to talk to you about something that most of you will uh, understand the reference as we start. But a few years ago, uh, a little over 20 years ago, if I was to say 9-11, your mind immediately, most of us, knows exactly what day that signifies in our country's history. Uh, it's a day that you can probably still remember to this day where you were when news began to come in about what had happened. I remember I was in high school. Uh, yes, for some of you, that might not seem possible, but I'm not as old as some of you. But uh, uh, I was in the basement of the old high school uh, in first hour when we heard. And you say, well, Jake, what in the world does that have to do with 2 Samuel chapter 1? Well, I'm glad that you ask. Because the title of the sermon today is, When It Feels Like Your World Has Stopped Turning. All of us have received news that made us feel like our world had collapsed. Some of us have had news that was so amazing that it felt like our heart was going to stop. I want you to think about maybe it would have been a time when you got that first call that you were going to be a grandparent. Some of you oh... It was a great day for you. But I also would say there might have been some of you that that happened much quicker than you thought it would. Maybe it was a job promotion. Maybe you got that call that you finally got a job promotion that you had been looking forward to but didn't think it was going to happen. Or maybe on the flip side of that, you got called and let it off from a job that you never thought was in danger. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a bad health report that you didn't see coming. All of us have gone through experiences where the news that we received forever changed us. And speaking of 9-11, there was a song written by Alan Jackson, and you probably guessed the title, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? And I'm not going to sing that to you today. Maybe if you hit up Monty after church, he would sing it for you today. But I want you to remember some of the words from that song. Where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on some stage in L.A.? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against the blue sky? Did you shout out in anger, in fear for your neighbor, or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children? They lost their dear loved ones. Pray for the ones who don't know. Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sob for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do? 
Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I think all of us that are old enough to remember 9-11 remember that feeling. And you say, Jake, I still don't understand what you're trying to do here this morning. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, David receives news that forever changes him. You and I know if we have read the end of 1 Samuel, as we have been going verse by verse through the word of God, that Saul has died and Saul's children has died. But David does not know this. You and I are privy to information that he was not. And so today we're going to witness when David finds out the news of what has happened. And it is a when-your-world-stops-turning moment. And so today, I have no idea what you're going through. You could be at the top of your life. Things could not be better. Things could not be going more perfect. Or today, you could be here and you could have just received the news that made your world feel like it stopped turning. Maybe today you don't know it, but that news is coming very soon. And so today I pray that you would, with me today, just go through this text and hopefully help you and I both to prepare for when those days come. And so today I want to do something a little different. I want us to pray, and then we're just going to go verse by verse this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak through your messenger. Father, I pray that you would do what only you could do. Father, you know every situation, every wound. Lord, you know every sin that is hidden into the deepest deepest, and darkest parts of our heart. Lord, you know the unforgiveness, the bitterness. Lord, you know the hurt, the pain. Lord, you know it this morning. And so, Father, I pray today that you would show your people today, Lord, that you had this sermon for them before they ever decided to come today. Father, I pray today that no matter what is going on, that you would show yourself in all of your glory and power, Lord, and your love for us. So, Father, I pray today that you would forgive me and help me to just preach your word, Lord, and to say the things you want me to say and not to say the things that I should. And so, Father, I give you all the praise and the honor, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you're taking notes this morning as we begin this book, uh, please write this down. Terrible news can come at any time. Or you could put life-changing news can come at any time. Starting in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag, on the third day, behold, it happened that a man from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fed, fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Then the young man who told him said, 
As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him and saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. So he said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. If you remember what's been going on in this chapter, David is with the Philistines. They are going to go to battle against Israel, but the Philistines don't want David to go with them. And so David takes him and his army. They march back to their hometown that they're living in in this pagan land. And what happens? They get there and their wives and all of their possessions have been stolen and we know that David hears from God and he pursues these individuals down and he recovers his family. And he not only recovers his family, but none of them are lost. And they, 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 they find more blessings than when they lost. And so David gets back from that. And you can imagine, David is probably thinking, Lord, you're so good to me. God, you, you, you've spared me even though I was in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, not, not where you wanted me, God. And, and yet you've saved my family. You've, you've delivered my wives back to me. You've, you've brought the people and their families back together. Lord, you've been so good to us. And then a messenger comes. And he asks him, where are you from and who are you? Friends, this morning you need to know something. Whether it is at church whether it is at work, whether it is at home, life-changing news can come at any moment. Friends, I have received calls at four in the morning that have been some of the best calls in my life. I've received calls at four o'clock in the morning where someone says, Jake, the, the baby's here and, and they're well and, and everybody's doing good and it was an emergency, but, but everything is good. I received phone calls at four o'clock in the morning that said, can you please come to our house immediately? Our loved one is dead. <laughs> I've received calls from people that say, Pastor, this last week, two weeks ago, we had some, some kids saved on Wednesday night. This week on Thursday night, I had the privilege of leading a husband and a wife to the Lord. And, and I, I was driving to Carmine to get my hair cut. And, and uh, I get a call that says, Can you meet with us tonight? We're ready to get saved. And I'm thinking, Woo! So happy, I tell you what, I... I don't even know how, how I got to Carmine, but I got there. And I've had other calls that have said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. And I know that it's not going to go well. It's going it's to happen at any moment. And if you're here today, you know what I'm talking about. Someone sits across from you and tells you that they don't love you anymore. Someone sits across from you and tells you that they don't know what gender they are. You see these moments in our life happen. And they can happen at any time. And so what we see here is this young man shows up and tells David that Saul and Jonathan are dead. Well, to David, this would have been a crushing blow. Now, I want to show you a couple things from this story later on about this. But this man did not care about Saul. He didn't care about Jonathan. He didn't care about David. 
He did not care. All he wanted what was best for him. And friends, many times your life-changing news will not come from people you love, but sometimes it will. Sometimes it will be something that you had no control over it at all. David had no control over Saul's life, Saul's decisions. But yet when this happens, who did it affect? David. In Psalms 112, I want to read to you three verses in verse 6, 7, and 8. Talking about the righteous. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. We've been looking at fear for months. Until he sees his desires upon his enemies. He tells us how do we respond when evil tidings come. When the bad news comes, how do we respond? It doesn't say that we don't hurt. It doesn't say that we aren't broken. It doesn't say that our life is not changed. What it says, though, is that we have to know who God is. We have to know that there is a God in heaven who loves us in the good times and in the bad times. We have to know that God has a purpose and a plan for our life, whether it is all working out or it is all crashing down around us. As a pastor, I have to remind myself that almost every day. God, I cannot control other people. God, I cannot control what people say, what people think, what people do. God, all I can trust is and do is to trust you. To trust that God is in control. That God has a purpose and a plan. And that God is doing what only He can do. Does that mean you will not fear? No, you will struggle with fear. You will struggle with wondering, how is this going to turn out? You'll struggle with what's going to happen, what's the fallout. Who's going to be angry? Who's going to be hurt? <clears throat> but look what it says in verse 8. His heart is established. You see, it's not saying that you have established your heart. It's saying that a God has established in you. We see this in the New Testament when the Bible talks over and over again about God putting us in the palm of His hand. And that what can separate us from the love of God and Paul says nothing in, in quite a few verses there. And so today I want you to know something that whether you feel like the news that you have received has forever destroyed you, God is not done with you. Maybe it's the news about church. Maybe it's news about your health. Maybe it's news about your family. Whether it's whatever it is, today it has rocked you to the core. Maybe it's something you heard about someone else that you never could have imagined. I don't know what it is today that's got you, uh, your foundations that are crumbling. But today know that there is a God who loves you and cares about you and has not forsaken you. And so the second thing I want to show you this morning is life-changing news can come at any time. But where do you turn when terrible news comes? Or where do you turn when life changing news comes. Like I said, there's a whole lot in that first part I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Look what it says in verses 11 through 12. Therefore David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. 
And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Jonathan and his, for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of the Lord, because they had fallen by the sword. When David gets this terrible news, this life-changing news, who does he turn to? The Lord. He turns into a time of fasting and prayer, seeking the Lord's face. You see, I believe that Christians, one, do not view death the same that the world does. But I also believe that we have believed the lies of the world that say that death doesn't matter. I can remember going to the funeral home as a child, and it was very quiet. It was a very reserved time. People were, were very somber. And now if you go to the funeral home, it's just like a family reunion. Everybody's talking, laughing, going on. It is just a chaotic mess. And I, and I don't have a problem with that. Please don't think that. But I think it is because of something that has happened. The world has not believed that your life or death matter. You're just here because of some uh, accident, some primordial sludge. But yet we, I believe, should take more account in the fact that God appointed your life to be born and appointed when your life would end. I believe we have not dealt with our grief well. And so I believe God's people should be very aware at, at death that people are spending eternity in heaven or hell. That we should be at a time of prayer for that wife who has buried her husband. We, we ought to be at a time of prayer for that that, that group of children who have buried their parents. And so tonight, I, this morning, I just really want you to know that what we see here is that David begs God and is pleading with God and is, is, is mourning for what has happened. And so this morning, I want you to see this, though, that when great life-changing events happen, who do you turn to? Some people, when life-changing events happen, they turn to the bottle. They'll drink their problems away. Other people, when they're hurt and when they're going through life-changing events, they lash out. They become totally different people. <clears throat> but what we see here is that we should run to the Lord. You say, well, Jake, when I get my stuff figured out, I'll come to God. That's not how it works here. Look here in verse 12. They're mourning and they're weeping and then they are fasting. They came before God just as they were, broken and hurting. They came to God open and honest. They came to God knowing that what had happened was tragic and heartbreaking and had changed not only them, but the nation forever. And this morning I want you to know that you might not be able to be honest publicly because of your fear for what other people might think. This morning you might not be willing to be honest because you're afraid that someone might not think that you are perfect. But friends, if you really want God to move and to work in your life, you have to come to Him just as you are. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm broken. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I don't know how to handle the situation. Listen to what the book of Psalms chapter 9 says, verses 9 through 10. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will be 
put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He says, come. God will not forsake you. And third and final thing, and don't don't get your hopes up. This is the long point this morning. (laughs) Terrible news or life-changing news will reveal where your trust is. It will reveal where your trust is placed. In verse 13, let's see what the Bible says. Then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien and a Malachite. So David said to him, How was it? You were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Now some of you might be saying, but wait, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that that's not how Saul died. And so the Bible was contradicting itself. No, friends, the Bible is full of people who lied. Satan lied when he told Adam and Eve that you don't have to worry about this. If you eat it, you will not die. And so who do we believe? Do we believe in a Malachite who is here telling this story, or do we believe the writer of Scripture who is giving us a detailed account of how Saul died? We believe the detailed account that how Saul died. Saul died on Mount Gilboa, falling on his sword. His armor bearer would not take his own life of Saul. He wouldn't kill him. And he only took his own life. And so you say, Jake, why in the world would this person lie about killing King Saul. Well, you see, in this world that they were living, there was great turmoil. Israel had fallen. David had just been beaten up on all those people whose last names rhymes with kite. And so this man is thinking, I need to be friends with someone who can care for me. I need to buddy up with someone who can provide for me. And so we might call it as a brown noser, right? You ain't got any friends until you've got a little money or a little influence. And then they all come out of the woodwork. That's what the Amalekite is doing. He realizes something. Saul is king, but he's dead. And who is next in line to be king? If Saul's dead, if Jonathan's dead, and two other brothers are dead... Probably the guy that we've all been talking about. Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So he takes the crown, the royal crown. He takes the royal bracelet, a significant uh, piece of jewelry for the king to wear. And he takes it to David thinking what? I'm going to get in his good graces. Now he could have just taken the king's crown and the king's bracelet and said... I brought these to you out of a reverence to Israel, a reverence to King Saul, a reverence to your authority that God has placed upon your life. And he probably would have been just fine. But friends, in this moment, he is willing to lie and to be deceitful, to do whatever it takes to get ahead. 
And friends, I have seen it over and over and over as a pastor. I have seen it over and over again in life. People will tell you whatever you want to hear when you want to hear it to get what they want. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've even been guilty of it. You say, oh, not me. You're a liar. All of us have been sitting someone by someone that we like and they're talking about someone that they don't like. Don't worry, I'm going to meddle today and if you don't like it, you don't ever have to come back or you can fire me. It's not a big deal. Oh, I just can't believe so-and-so. You know how they are. And, I, you know. and you sit there thinking, that's not how I know them. Now nah, they've never been like that to me. And then you say something like this. Well, you know what? You're probably right. That sounds a lot like them. You've lied to please the person that was upset. You've lied. You did the same thing to gain favor with someone. Because this man didn't really kill Saul. He didn't destroy Saul's life. He was just taking credit to get ahead. And what we see here in this passage of Scripture, if you want to jump back there with me, we see here in verse 2, On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. This man had purposely made it look like he was mourning for Saul. David did what when he found out? He ripped his clothing and laid in the dirt. For us, that would be a very similar funeral tradition of when you see a hearse coming and cars behind it, you are supposed to what? Stop and pull off the side of the road. And if you don't do that, quit being a jerk. That's a funeral tradition. It's not a sin, but that's what it was. And this man is trying to fake sorrow, to fake sympathy. And I want you to look at this this morning because I want you to... That's how people will weasel their way into your life. Oh, I just can't believe that happened to you. I just can't believe someone said that to you. In church, it looks something like that. Can I pray for you about this? Uh, tell me exactly what happened. I want to just say this today. This is the way I've operated for 10 years, and I, and I will operate as long as I'm here. If you have a story to tell... It is yours to tell. If God calls you to go to church somewhere else or stay here and someone comes to me and says, Jake, I want to ask about so-and-so, I'm not going to tell you. It's not my story to tell. It's not my situation to spread. Because why? I am never going to slander someone for doing what they think is right. I might not agree with their decision. I might not like their decision. Their decision might break my heart. But I am not going to begin to slander someone else. Someone might come up and say, well, Jake, I, 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 heard, they're not, I heard Tyler. Boy, he's really made a mess of things with Melissa. Usually he does, but not like that, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say, well, yes, he has. Let me tell you all about it. I'm going to say what you ought to do is probably go talk to them. Why? I could say, oh, yeah, I, you know what I heard. You know what I've seen. But friends, that would be destroying someone else. And I believe it is the number one sin that we are guilty of in church. Is we are guilty of false sympathy. Fake concern. A desire to know instead of a desire to care. 
Second thing I want to show you from this is this. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. He came as a sign of humility. Falling before David, honoring him and worshiping him. And the only reason he came to David was not for David, but for himself. For himself. He goes on and David in love and concern says, how did it go? I can just imagine David thinking about Saul and Jonathan and Israel and the people that he loves. And and he's saying, tell me, how did the battle go? And then he begins to lay it out. You see, this morning I want you to know something. That when life begins to fall apart around you. Or life begins to be a blessing around you. How you respond is where your trust is. How many of you have ever walked through a funeral line and told someone, whatever you need, call me. Doesn't matter what it is, when it is, you call. And then you never even check on that person again. I'm guilty of it. I've done that. Or or maybe they call two or three times and you start to think, oh, are they ever going to get over this? Maybe in a great time of blessing, You've said, oh yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that. I'm just so glad, I'm so happy. And then you realize, wait a second. I just promised more money than I won in my lottery ticket. I don't believe you should play the lottery, but that's a sin you have to deal with the Lord yourself. Or, oh, I promise I'll be there. Or, I promise I can do this. Or, I've got this talent. I don't have any talents, okay? (laughs) If I tell you I'm going to come wire your house, don't let me, all right? Because it will burn to the ground. That's just the way it is, all right? I'm not good at those kind of things. I've got an A for effort, but an F for skill, all right? If I tell you, hey, I'm going to come plumb your house, you're going to say, hey, hey, that stuff ain't supposed to flow upwards, okay? That's how talented I am. But people are like that, right? Oh, I tell you what, you you need something, or I'll bring my this, or I'll do that. But then when life happens, it's like, oh, man, I'm so busy I can't be bothered. And friends, this morning I want you to see this. Because in great blessings and in great tribulation, never make hasty decisions. Never let your tongue and your heart get you into situations that you cannot keep. And so he says in verse 10, so I stood over Saul and killed him. It was a lie. But he told David this. Why? Because that's what he thought David wanted to hear. Do you remember what had happened in David's life? David was a loyal servant of Saul. David was Saul's right-hand man. David was the one who fought Goliath when no one else would. David is the one who could play the harp and it would calm and bring Saul great peace. David was someone that Saul had loved and cared for so much that he let his daughter marry David. David had the favor of Saul, and then he didn't. And if you remember, Saul tried to send his men in the dead of night to kill David in his own home. Saul's daughter, David's wife, helped him, and he escaped. David is the same one who Saul had chased into caves and chased into other towns and and tried to kill him and take his life and ruin him. And so from an outward standpoint, if I'm this Amalekite, I'm thinking, Saul has done everything he can to make David's life miserable. 
I'm sure that David hates him and reward me handily if I was the one who relieved him of his burden. Friends, what we see is something totally different. David says, who do you think you are? Now, I've heard a lot of sermons on the Lord's anointed and a lot of different things, and I'm not even going to touch that this morning because it's just there's not time. But what I can tell you this is this. When God says, let him fight your battles for you, let him. Because, friends, many of you today are suffering the consequences of fighting battles that God never told you to fight. Relationships that are broken, people that are hurt, situations that are almost beyond repair. Why? Because God said, be quiet and listen and wait, and you decided to talk. You decided to fight. You decided to get involved. And so what we see here is David says, you have killed the Lord's anointed, and your life will be required of you. See, the Bible probably is not going to be that way for you. You're probably never going to physically take someone's life, but you might. Most of us are not going to have that as a temptation. But the Bible says to hate someone in your heart is the same thing as what? Murder. Today, you probably are not going to have an opportunity to take someone's life for murdering someone in your life, but you might. But today, you will have the opportunity whether or not to forgive someone who has Hated you. You see, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, David patterns this again. Because after Saul is dead, there is more family that's left. And a couple men think they're going to be really loyal to David. And they sneak into a man's house and they kill him in his sleep. Someone who could have fought for the throne, could have challenged David's claim to the kingship. They killed this man and brought his head to David. I know what you're saying. It is pretty gory. But in 2 Samuel chapter 4, starting in verse 9, David gives us a heart picture of what he experienced in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Starting in verse 9, the Bible says these words, But David answered Rechab and Banah, his brother, the sons of Ramon the Barathite, and said to them, As the Lord lives... Who has redeemed my life from all adversity. When someone told me saying, look, Saul is dead. Thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag. The one who thought I would give him a reward for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed. Therefore, shall I not now require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? So David commanded his young men and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet and hang them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. See, David makes it clear here that even if you're trying to do what is best for you, even if you're trying to be the best whatever it is, you still have to do it God's way. You say, well, Jake, you don't understand what the situation is at work that I work in. If I don't lie and cheat and and play those conniving games, I'll never get that promotion. Look up here. When God wants you to be promoted, you'll be promoted. 
You say, Jake, I run a small business, and if I don't, if I don't price gouge a little bit here and, and, and cut my wages a little bit here and do some dishonest things here, I'll never make it in business. No, friends, if God wants you to make it in business, you'll make it. I, you could even take it like this. I hear people say all the time, Jake, tithing is not a New Testament principle. That's a lie. It is. People say, well, Jake, I just can't give. We, we just can't give. We just can't give. We just can't give. Look up here. You can't not give. God will honor it. God will take care of it. God will bless it. You just do what God tells you. How many times have you felt that way in a relationship? Jake, well, if I forgive this person, then, then how, how, how is that going to work? Or, or Jake, if I, if I turn the other cheek, how is this going to work? This morning, you need to know something. God knows the battle that you're in. God knows the sin that you're struggling with. God knows the hurt that you're going through. And this morning, you have to make a choice. I am going to do it God's way, no matter how difficult it seems, or I am not. In the blessings of life, how many times has God been good to you, blessed you, taken care of you, and then you begin to drift away from Him? Because you have all that you need. This morning I say all of this to you this morning is because God will allow news to come into your life that will forever change you. You have to make a decision of who you're going to run to when that life-changing information happens. Then you have to make a decision. God, I'm going to follow you and trust you no matter what. God, if no one else stays, I'm going to stay. God, if no one else believes, I'm going to believe. God, if no one else is faithful, I'm going to be faithful. But in Romans chapter 5, it's the last thing I have for you this morning. In a world full of people who only want what's best for themselves, what is so special about the Christian faith? It's the fact that we serve a Savior that did the exact opposite. Exact opposite. When He came to this earth, He did not come for it himself but he came for us he did not die for his sin he died for our sin he did not come to be served but he came to serve one of my favorite passages of scripture comes from the book of Romans chapter 5 and starting in verse 6 it says these words for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When you had nothing to offer, God died for you. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if we, when, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see, in this passage of Scripture, we see a servant who is willing to do whatever it takes to find the king's favor. And in Jesus, we see a king who is willing to do whatever it takes to bring us back into favor with him. 
Friends, the world will teach you to lie, to steal, to cheat, to get ahead at all costs, to put yourself first, to be happy no matter the cost. Whatever it takes doesn't matter, but God demonstrated His love for us that it was you are sinful and you are wicked and you are broken and you have nothing to offer. But the King who has everything wants you. Not while you are perfect, but while you are a sinner. Christ died for you. And so everything we see in this passage of Scripture, today you're probably sitting thinking, going, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. If you're really honest today, you've probably said, yeah, I've done that. I've been there. I've been a part of that. But friends, what Jesus says is, I was willing to come and give my life for you. Even though you had nothing to offer me. And so this morning I want to challenge you with that. Because today I can promise you that if you are here and you do not know Jesus. Your life is all about you. Where you can go, what you can do, what you can say, what you can think. Your life is yours. Or so you think. Friends, this morning I want you to know something. You are chasing after things that do not matter. You are chasing after things that will not last. You say, Jake, if you had as much money in your bank account as I have in mine, you wouldn't be saying that. Look up here. You can save all you want and someday someone else is going to waste it. You say, Jake, I've got a house so big. If you lived in a house as big as I did, you wouldn't be saying things like that. Someday someone's going to sell it and waste that money. Or someone's going to live in it and make it look like trash. One of the two. But you'll leave this world in the same size of hole as I will. The Bible says you came into this world from dust and you will leave this world from dust. So you say, Jake, well, I'm pursuing my family blessings. I want my kids to have everything I didn't have. What does it profit to give your kids everything financially, material, and watch them die and go to hell? Quit pursuing things that don't matter and missing the things that do. And so today for you, I want to say this, your only hope is Jesus Christ. The God of heaven who loved you so much, who knew your sin and came and died on a cross for you. Took your sin shame he was dead and rose from the dead three days later he is the son of God you have to repent of your sins that doesn't mean you just believe it means you turn from the life that you were living it turns from the pride of your life the sin of your life and says Lord I am forsaking this and turning to you Jesus forgive me Become the Lord and Savior of my life. And the Bible says that God will save you completely. Friends, you need Him desperately. You say, well, Jake, I, I prayed that prayer. I believe that was me. Then I want to challenge you today. Are you living a life that is sold out for Jesus? Totally forsaking the things of this world. God, I want you first and foremost you say, well, Jake, that's an extreme way to live. The Bible says <laughs> to pursue God. 
the righteousness of God, the things of God, and all other things will be what? Added. You pursue Jesus and He can take care of your marriage. You pursue Jesus and He can take care of your children. You pursue Jesus and He can take care of providing your needs. You pursue Jesus, Him and Him alone, and He can fix that relationship. He can heal that situation. He can tear down those barriers. It's Him and Him alone. You say, well, Jake, I know I'm saved, and I've been there, but today I am in a place where God is so good to me. God has, God has blessed our marriage. God has restored that loss. God, God has... God has taken care of that heartbreaking situation and he's healed and worked and moved, then you should be running to him in thanksgiving. God, thank you for being so good to me. God, God, thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. God, thank you for blessing me when I had nothing. Because friends, this morning, the choice is yours. The choice is yours, whether it is at church, whether it is at home, whether it is in your marriage. Life-changing moments are going to happen. I, uh, I believe most of the time that God brings life-changing moments into our life to cause us to run to Him. I believe whether it's the bad or the good, God uses those to get our attention. And that's usually when people want to talk about the Lord is when life-changing moments have happened. When they've lost a loved one, when they've lost a job, when they've lost a, a relationship, when they're broken and open, that's usually when we are willing to listen to God. And so this morning, if you are in that valley, God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to change you. He's trying to save you. You say, well, Jake, well, I got more than I could ever want, more than I could ever need, more than I could ever use. I'm just so blessed. I've got nothing to worry about. Look up here. Then you ought to be thanking God. Thanking Him for His goodness to you. And so this morning, I have no idea where you're at. I don't know what's going on. I don't know your heart. But I know this, that if you will come to Jesus, He will save you from your sin. And here in just a moment, Jamie's going to come. Janus is going to come. And I'm going to be standing right down here. If you're here today and you're lost and you know you're lost, I want you to come. I want to show you what the Bible says about what it takes to be saved. I can't make you be saved. I can't convict you to be saved. But friends, I can show you what the Bible says. And God can use that to save you. Today, maybe you're here and you're just hurting and you're broken. You don't understand what's going on. And there are situations that have happened that have shaken and rattled you to the core. Find a spot. Go to God. Say, Lord, I need you. Maybe you want to bring your spouse and, and pray with them. Whatever it is, maybe you want to grab a friend and say, hey, I'm going through a storm and I need prayer. That's what this time is for. Or maybe it's just a time for you to come and thank God for his goodness to you. If you would stand with us as we pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, not my words, but yours. And so, Lord, today you know what people are going through. Lord, you know their hurts, you know their pain, you know their brokenness. And today, Lord, I pray that you are at work in their lives, showing them of their need to be saved. Father, I pray this morning 
that your Holy Spirit is drawing and working and moving for those that need you. Father, I pray that you would help your people today, Lord, this church, to not become prideful, to not to explain away our faults and our sins. Lord, to be open and honest with you, letting go of our pride and our self-righteousness and our desire to care what other people think about us, God. Just here we are, sinners in need of you. And Lord, finally today, our Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to become so boastful and so arrogant that we forget that you are the giver of all good gifts. So Lord, help us to be a church that is thankful for your blessings. And so Father, now I pray that you would do only what you could do for your glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.